Welcome back, everybody, to Back to the Roots. I'm joined again today with Steven. Hello. We're trying the video again, so if you're on Spotify, in theory, this should work. Sweet. But we can just ignore the camera. Today, we are drinking Wild Bills once again. Today, it's their birch beer. I'm now at the end of that case that Rachel sent me. Um, Sad day. Yeah. Let's, let's give it a swig. I'll let you. This is the birch first. beer, so it's actually red, which is super cool. I, I kind of like it. Dink it. Ooh, Sink it. Ooh, I, you're going to get a drip. That's okay. <laughs> it is really good. It's weird to drink something with a red color and have it taste more like rip beer than cherry. Because I'm used to, you know, red stuff, red drinks tasting like cherry. I just made like a soft exhale into the bag of drink and went, oh, it's very good. Very good. It is really tasty. Wild Bills, you won't sponsor me. I emailed you <laughs> and you didn't respond. But I'm going to continue to plug your product because it's good and you're a good company. I actually think... We're a fan. Do you still talk to Matt? Messer? Yeah. I, I haven't talked to him in person in a little bit. I saw him a couple months back, but we'll still... We talk on the phone sometimes and, and gotcha. text here and there. So Yeah. He's, yeah. Kinda, he's been super busy. I know. He, he was showing me the other day. He sent a video of... Um, they have like a, a plasma cutter cutting out all their parts and lids now. So me and Ben were talking about it. We're like, wow, our, our old job is literally be taking over by the robots. <laughs> like Does this, he own this plasma cutter? I believe so. Dude, that's wild. Don't he, quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure the thing is his. He must really be making bank because that can't be cheap. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I honestly think that Wild Bills and him could do like a cool partner up because Wild Bills is like veteran owned mm. and it's super cool and it just fits the vibe of cotton gin smokers. But I'm done with that. Unfortunately, we are not in cotton smokers, so we cannot make that executive decision. It's true. I'm going to try to get Matt to sponsor this, though. He sponsored Eat My Shorts okay, for a couple of episodes. Nice. So. And then we quit nice. because Nathan left. But R.I.P. Nathan. Oh, I got to stop the music. Hey, Google. Stop playing music. <laughs> I'm so glad I caught that now. It was, it was atmospheric at the time, but listening back on it, it's always not best to have just the, the nice dry sound of voices. Dry sound of voices, but you want it to be nice and wet at the same time. <laughs> Whoa. What does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, so in the audio world, uh-huh. um, there's like dry and wet, like yes. on a mix. What does that mean? Because I'm like, I still, I mess with it on like my plugins and stuff. I'm like, I don't actually n- So, <laughs> So dry and wet generally is, uh, the way I think of it is in terms of using effects. So if I'm using uh, a, a reverb, for example, my dry mix is like what I'm what I'm putting in. So like this right now, the way you're hearing my voice, effect free is dry. Mm. The wet is the reverb. So that's the effect. It's like if your voice was a plant, right? And you wanted to add some growth to it, so you watered it, and it makes it wet, and it makes the plant. Yeah, dry. yeah. So like analogies. When you have your mix, if you if you take your dry mix down to zero percent and have your wet mix up to a hundred percent, you're not hearing any. Of your normal voice going in, you're only hearing the reverb of your voice. You're only getting the effect. Gotcha. So generally for like singing, you know, I would use like 100% dry and then mix in a little bit of the effect. Mm -hmm. But some people for like experimental mixing wanted to go 100% effect and like pull out the the dry mix, which I'm like, okay. Some people, I mean, that is interesting. And I think there's room for that style for sure. Oh yeah, most definitely. Us uh, singer-songwriter breeds don't have any, like, I, I can't do it. Well, that's your sound, and your sound sounds like it's good. 
like as we're getting there we're getting there we're getting there. how many years has it been since you like started actually recording music steven is a musician by the way so plugging that musician in in the works um <laughs> that's true with anybody no matter what you do <laughs> you're always occupation in the works you yeah. should you should always be growing that's that's the goal oh i think i I mean, I've re- I recorded stuff with Ben a few years ago. I think I started actually solo recording things in in 2019. I went on a kind of a vacation to my aunt and uncle's farm in um, Greenville, South Carolina, in 2019, and they had a guitar there, and you know, I, I played and wrote some songs. So that he had this little uh, had my computer, which had GarageBand on it, and he had a little like just desktop mic that you would use for like uh, uh, Skyping or something like that. Oh <clears throat> and I had some headphones laying around, so I kind of put everything together and I uh, I started recording the, the Space Cowboy EP on that microphone. Nice. So one of the songs was done entirely on that mic. And the Space Cowboy is like on Spotify and stuff, right? Yeah, it's it's still there, unfortunately. Is it, is it still <laughs> on yours, Stephen Hedges? Or yeah. is it? Okay. Because what was... What was um, Left on Red was Left on Red. Yep, that was Dude. Ben and I's music, and there's only a couple Left on Red songs out there. Um, you know, we recorded a lot that we never released, but you can still listen to Clouds and Love in General. Clouds on was which one was the one where there was like samples of I think it was Krista on the phone. Oh yeah, there's there's everybody. We called so many people and we just recorded them. Like we asked them. Oh, I don't I don't remember what we asked. Something about small town America. We were like, what do you think of small town America? And recorded people's responses and just mixed it into the song. That that was Clouds. That yeah. was, honestly, I really like the, I still like the vibe of that song. Cool. It is good. I remember because you guys did it. You guys had Blake sing with you guys um, and you were down at the River Lights Festival in yes. South Bend. Yeah, she she sang with us on Love in General when we, yeah. when we made the song. That, so. that song was a vibe too. It was something for sure. If I mean, okay, so clearly you're not like billboard artists, but that's like your one hit so far. I think love in general, I think is like the one that you're known for. It kind of landed with everybody for some reason, which is beyond me. Well, why does it, why why don't you like, why don't you like the song more? Lyrically, there's just nothing there to me. It's just like, (laughs) I, you know, I, the first line of that song is, I don't always know what to say. And I clearly did it because that was, <laughs> that was what I started with saying. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That that song is is like the, the weird fashion trend that you got into that just didn't age well. <laughs> the weird fashion. <laughs> like, it was dude, the jeggings for men. You've kind of actually come a little full circle. You went from like what was generally in... I'm I'm skipping a close here real quick. Oh no! You're to good. like, f- like cowboy, like mm-hmm. boots, hat, truck, everything. And now you're kind of like it's a slight combination of both now because you still got the truck and everything. It's true. But you know you're doing the Adidas, the Nikes. <laughs> it's all it's coming full circle a little bit. Yeah. Well, some of this is my just my Saturday look. I, I woke up in my sweatpants and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna stay in. You these slept in your sweatpants. Today. I did sleep in my sweatpants, nice. which was really nice actually. It was, mm. it was enjoyable. Um, so I got a shower and put them right back on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now I'm here. I think you should, the story should be you showered in them and I, then you just, I showered in my sweatpants yeah. and <laughs> hair dried them with a, with a blow dryer <laughs> for 45 minutes. And they're still a little damp. Yes. Uh, but yeah, like love in general was, 
definitely, I think the big pop, I think that was kind of a thing for, was that just you or that was no, cause it was left and right. So it was you and Ben. Yeah. That, me, I, I wrote and sang the song, did the guitar on it. Ben handled pretty much all the, the oversight of the recording and the production and everything that right. made that song not horrible. <laughs> Um, and Blake, Blake sang the second verse and put harmony on the chorus and everything. So yeah. she kind of brought the song to life as well a little bit. She was new on the scene then too. Her and Graham had only been dating. I don't think, long, like, I don't think her and Graham were dating when, oh, dang, when we made love in general. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Let's back up even further here for a second. So there was the river lights festival, which was like three years ago, maybe four, three years ago. Sounds about right. That was 2019. That was just before. So we we played a bunch of our songs then, played several of my songs, and I started recording after the River Lights Festival because I kinda I kinda found a sound that I wanted to shoot towards mm. while doing that show. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to record that song or that sound and, and see if we could get it out. But you guys played at there was a small like concert night that Chance Smith Put up at, at in Niles, yeah. And Ben and I oh, were yeah. like the DJ, like we DJed, we mixed live, but we did it like in between the bands. It was really cringe because it was like Niles, so everybody's like <laughs> 45 or older, and it's like they're all it's outdoors, so they're scattered across the lawn, and it's in the middle of the afternoon. So there's just like it is not the vibe for doing like DJ mixing music, sure. I remember that pretty clearly, but then I also remember because you guys did sing there too, and Blake sang with you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I sang at all then. I don't I don't think I even sang into a mic live yet. Were at you that guys point. Were you guys left on red then, or was it? Um, nope. Were you that, guys was, just that was that was pre left on red. Nice. Yep. That was. I think we actually were announced as Eversay at the time, yeah. which was which was Blake's brand uh, band. That's right. And so I was playing a mix of acoustic and electric. Ben was on keys and Blake was singing solo. You said that was you said you hadn't sung on a live mic before then and you didn't sing there. Mm-mm. Do you remember the first time you sang on a live mic? Um I I could be wrong here but I believe it was for a Christmas party later that year um at my church in Niles and Ben, myself, and uh, Taya Smith were kind of heading up the music for it. And we we had a couple others there. I remember uh, David Smiley was was playing bass for it. Um, And uh, love David, by the way. Shout out to to David wherever you are. Um, Love David. Um, So anyway, we were were doing music that night. And Taya, I had a mic and I was just, I kind of was like backing a little bit. Yeah. And um, Jay, our drummer, was actually singing some of the lead male vocals. Taya was singing a lot of lead. And right before we, you know, we did our first three songs, first two songs, whatever Taya sang, there was, you know, a bit of speaking. And then we came up towards the end to close out. And Taya had told me earlier that day that she was feeling sick. And I was like, <laughs> uh oh. I was like, are you okay to be here? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. So we get up on the stage. And she looked over at me and just gave me the face that communicated like I'm about to throw up and ran off the stage to the side. Oh man. And so Taya was gone and she was supposed to help sing lead on the last song. Oh n- and so in that yo. moment I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I guess I'm singing. So it was like in a female key and it was way up there and I was like, ah! 
it was insane and it, i completely just absolutely butchered it just just bombed i mean fortunately that's like the best excuse for bombing ever like the lead singer ran off the stage to throw ran up, off so. the stage yeah <laughs> That's awesome. Which was totally, I props to Taya for even being there at all because she was not okay. <laughs> well, she seemed pretty committed. I don't know if she she I, was. She still does music, doesn't she? I don't know anybody who really hangs out with her anymore. But you know, she came and um, sang with me at uh, Redeemer a few months ago. Okay, nice. Um, I don't know if she's writing or, or doing music. I haven't seen her like post anything with it in a little bit. I know she's in school, so I don't okay, yeah. I don't know for sure what all she's up to these days. That reminds me too, you guys, I think with Taya, no oh wait, or was it just Taya and Ben? I can't remember if you were in this or not. But you guys opened <laughs> This is the weirdest concert I've ever been to. Was it Disciple? You guys opened for Disciple yes. at Granger. Wait, uh, Grace Church. Great at Grace Church. Yeah, which is a, it's in Mishawaka, and it's like it's it's like pews, and it's a decent sized church. Yeah, but it's like this, I never thought that I would hear Disciple play there, and it was like in the middle of the day too. Again, these daytime concerts kind of throw me for a loop. It was evening. It was evening. Yeah, it was. There was still like daylight coming in though. There probably was when we started. I remember when it got done, it was late. Yeah. But I, I don't remember what time Disciple actually started. But I think I think we started playing like 6 or 6.30 that evening. Yeah. So you were playing with them? I was, yeah. I was, How long I was, was your guys' set? Because was it short or was it kind of longer? I can't... I remember coming to see you and then I had to go do something else. It was either four or five songs. So it was it was a relatively short set. We just were kind of opening up, doing doing a few songs. And a couple of them were ones that... I think Taya and Ben had written. Yeah. Um, and I was just kind of playing guitar and, and filling things out a little bit. So how did how did that one come together? Because it's still really random to me that Disciple came like Disciple's not huge. Yeah. But they're they're pretty big in like the Christian metal niche. Because they're 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 a metal band. Yeah. Um I don't but they know. did an acoustic set that day. I still I, I don't remember what all happened like for, what was the connection did they I, know taya did taya know them because i think taya, taya was definitely the connection it wasn't ben or myself okay um i don't remember how that all came to happen i just remember going there and they're like hey disciples coming to open or to play here you guys are going to open like you need to not screw it up <laughs> this needs to be better than uh the the worship leader there at the time said to us, and you know, I was still in high school and he was like, this needs to be better than y'all's chapel music. When, when we, when the band would do chapel. So like sometimes we would play guitar and have people sing at, at the school, at the school. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, and it was in that same room. So we would, we went to the school that was next door, but we always had held chapel in the church there. Right. And so students would lead the worship. And so there were, you know, Taya and I, who were students at the time, about to open for a disciple. And so the church's worship leader was like, hey, you guys need to do a better job with this than the chapel music. That's still wild. Like, especially as one of your guys' like first like concert situations. Yeah. Like that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that that one was uh Yeah, that was that was fun. That was a good time. Are you still like so I mean you you work in construction right now? Yeah. But I remember you said something to me before we ran into, okay, we ran into each other super randomly in downtown South Bend, like back in December or no, 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 like February because okay. I had gone ice skating with somebody and I had parked in a parking garage and I was like, no, 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 it was the J2 thing. 
the J2 thing. Remember, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. and Caleb went and we passed each other like on the yes. stairwell. And then we were just, I'm like, hey, it's been a while. You're like, yeah. And and then you're like, hey, I think I'm going to quit my job and pursue music. What do you think? And it was so random because it was just like, we're passing each other and you just like swing that by me. I'm like, okay, yeah, do it. I remember that now. I had completely forgotten about that moment till now. (laughs) So are you like, is that still something that you might want to do? Like, do you want to like go full send on music? I don't know if I'd like up and quit my job at this point. I think, uh. I had one of those like just insane existential type of days and I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to, I understand. It it was one of those days. Um, I'm, I'm just moody that way, but, um, I do still want to do music and I actually was just talking to Caleb about that the other night and, um, he was at rehearsal. He was helping out in the, in the tech booth and I was playing electric guitar and he was like, he gave me a chat afterwards and he was like, Steven, I, you are way happier when you are on stage doing music than you are doing other stuff. I was like, yeah, I know. And he's <laughs> like, why are, why are you not doing that more? And I'm like, I think I just need good, good songs. You know, that's, that's been my hesitation is I'm just like, I need songs that I like enough that I want to actually, you know, go perform somewhere. Right. And he was like, you got to be cool with coming out of the oven half-baked to start out. And I was like, okay. That's huge. Do you know what, do you know what, um, I don't want to be that guy, but do you know what Enneagram type you are? Oh, I think, I think I'm an Enneagram type four. Okay. Don't quote me on that, but okay. I, I think with my limited knowledge that I'm a four, I took the test a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It's been years though, but yeah. I'm pretty sure I was type four. Cause that, that mentality, I think that's super common. Cause you know, ether yeah. He, he quit his job and he's currently just going full send on music. And he struggles with this too of like creating a song and then like it needs to be perfect before yeah. he puts it out. Right. And he does a really good job. He does. Um, but it's something that he's consciously working on of like, you know, um, being okay with coming out half-baked. Yeah. Well, and- he, he said, Caleb said to me, he was like, He's like, listen, man, you, you haven't made it yet. He's like, you have not earned the right to be that pretentious about your own music. Dude. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you're you're right. And he's like, once once you've made it, you can you can nitpick the the heck out of your stuff. But he's like, right now, you just need to get something out there. That's gotta be kind of freeing though. It was. I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he's right. Like maybe, maybe this song I was working on a year ago that you know, I it's gets stuck in my head sometimes and I kind of like it, but it's not my favorite, but I'm like, maybe that one is, is good enough for yeah. now, you know? Yeah. That's actually, that is a super freeing mentality if you can accept it. Like I haven't made it yet. Yeah. So let's just like put it out there. I'm an, I'm an Enneagram one, which is like a perfectionist. <clears throat> so I definitely okay. identify with that whole mentality. And then at some point I kind of like made a bit of a switch. Like I still have that mentality. Yeah. But now I'm kind of like, I'll hit a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm putting this out and I don't, I don't really care. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. You just kind of, just kind of go with it. And then the people that, that want to check it out, they can. And the crazy thing is you'll come back to that in like five years and you'll be, that's the weird thing about growing up. Like Mm -hmm. we're in our twenties now. So I'm going back and I'm looking at stuff that I was like embarrassed about, you know, like five years ago. And I'm like, this isn't bad. Yeah. Like the quality is good. There's stuff I've gotten better at, but I'm like, this isn't bad. Like, why did I overthink this? Right. Right. That's big. Yeah. If you didn't do music, Uh 
if you got in an accident, you lost your hands and your vocal cords got severed, <laughs> what would you do? Um, I don't, I don't know. That's a great question. I probably couldn't work construction with just my feet, so you could get like mallet attachments for your stubs. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would find a way. I think I, if I lost my hands, I'd, you know, tape drumsticks to my arms and you'd be find, a drummer. Finally, learn the drums. Has that ever been an interest? Because you, you've always been pretty heavy on the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, drums has been an interest at points. There's been a couple points where, you know, I, I can hold a beat down, but I'm not proficient by any stretch at the drums. Um, so I, I think it's an interest to a degree. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of musicians out there who are jack of all trades. Like ben is a great example. You put Ben on the drums, he can manage. You put uh, Ben on the bass, he can do that. Keys, you know, he's very proficient in keys. Um, I have never quite been that way, and I haven't had a super strong desire to be good at everything. I think I've always had a strong desire to just be absolutely home field on the guitar. I feel like that's that's Ben's producer side coming through. Yeah. I think that producers, you know, if they're semi-proficient in everything, I mean, you, you need that to mix. You need to know the purpose of each thing, generally right. how each one works. Yeah. And so. production is something that I have a passion for and I, you know, am constantly trying to learn more about. And, yeah, you know, some of it, like when you have a musical ear, or you listen to enough music, you can kind of, you can kind of hear how things need to sound mix wise, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of your proficiency with each instrument. But I think definitely having that proficiency in each thing just gives you, you know, cracked perspective on what you're supposed to do. For sure. I do really want, I have this fantasy in my head of a back to the roots episode where, do you know the, the musician jewel, I think is her name. Maybe. She's like in her 40s, I think. Okay. Um, she's kind of, I don't really know what genre she is. I haven't listened to her stuff. Okay. But she was on Joe Rogan and she brought her electric guitar and they st stuck it yes. into the system. Did you I've, listen to I've this? I've seen that video. Dude, it is like, it's like a normal Joe Rogan three hour podcast. Yeah. But it's super cool because they'll just like randomly stop and she'll play like a full song and it's so cool. Yeah. So at some point I want to have you and Ben in and I want to like hook that. up a guitar and like even maybe a <clears> keyboard <throat> for Ben and then just like we'll just have a normal podcast. But if you guys just want to like diddy around too, just play a little song. It'd be so fun. Be I, have, cool. I, I do have a fascination with like how to mic a guitar because I've started getting into acoustic a little bit. Okay. And then my audio side with like the podcasting is very much like I want to figure out like how to mic this and everything. What's like the because if you have one mic, you mm -hmm. want to put it like kind of toward the hole, right? Or yeah. like do you. So generally, I think the, the most, I mean, there's so many <clears throat> ways you can mic an acoustic guitar, especially when you get into stereo. Like, Oh, dude, stereo. Okay. It's insane. Stereo kind of rocked my world. So it's so cool. The blue team um, for Life Action, they, uh -huh. we did a couple music videos with them. Okay. And yeah, we recorded yeah. all the stems and I mixed it. And it was like my first delve into mixing anything. And like looking at it now, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so like, it's so muddy sounding. Like it's, I did so much EQ and like reduction of mm. stuff that it just like got rid of all the high ends. Okay. So I'm not happy with it, but in my like delve into mixing, mm -hmm. um, I was watching a video and it was, I think it was the guy who does the audio for Passion Church, Passion City Church. Okay. And he was explaining like the, uh, I don't know even what what you call it. It's not the stereo field, but it's like if you're listening to a song and you close your eyes, you can like feel the instruments in like in front of you. Like, is it 
to your left? Is it to your right? Is it oh, yeah. high? Is it low? Is it in the middle? And it's so interesting because, you know, you, I knew about stereo left and right. Yeah. So that's panning. So you can pan an instrument or a voice left or right. Right. But then you have the frequency, which actually will move the sound up or down. Yeah. So like, it's, it's crazy to me. I'm like, what? And so I like listen to a song, I close my eyes and there is like, you'll hear like the, it's like a sphere. Yeah. It's like the, you're, you're kind of building it. Yeah. It's like the kick drum, you know, is like in the middle yeah. toward the bottom. And then like the, the voice, if it's a, if it's a guy, it's kind of close to the middle, um, unless they have them panned. And then like, you know, the hi hat will be like up here in the top left and then like an electric guitar top right. And it depends on everybody. Yeah. But sure. it was just like, this is crazy. It's pretty elaborate. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's very cool, but it's like that, that can of worms is just so massive. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially but, cause like it's all be, it's all for your brain to be able to differentiate yeah. and hear them separately from each other. Right. Be able to pick out all the individual parts of what's going on. Yeah. Um, to answer your original question, I think without getting too into the stereo stuff, if you just have one mic and you're trying to mic up an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. I generally, I generally like to sit down and play for a recording session. Yeah, and I'll I'll usually try to aim the mic at the twelfth fret. Okay, it's generally about where I go, just just up to the sound hole. I I feel like if you do that, sometimes you can cut out a little bit of that bassy frequency that yeah. you might would have to EQ out post recording. Right. Um. You know, but I, uh, I actually was talking to Phil Krause about this, and oh, he dude. sometimes... Phil's a wizard. He is. He likes to have, you know, a mic out kind of in front of the guitar, mm-hmm. and then he'll run his stereo mic up at, um, like, your fretting hand, so you get some of the fretting sound in there, too. Interesting. He's, which, he's a fan of the fret sound. Apparently, yeah. Like, it's, which is fascinating to me. I'm like, yeah. wow. Um, you know, when I, when I stereo mic a guitar, I generally do a couple in front of the sound hole. Um but you know, like it, it depends. Like, do you want identical guitar sound in both ears, or do you want to hear like right. more of the strum in one ear and then more of the fretting in the other ear? So the guitar is literally split, like it would be physically. That's so cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna go listen to a bunch of like like acoustic guitar songs and just try to pick up on on that to see if I can pick up on the the split part. The acoustic version of something like Olivia by John Mayer just rocks my world anytime i listen to it i'm just kind of enamored by it it's it's insane it's wild to me that people will listen to music like if i'm you know just chilling at home doing stuff like that's why i had music on the the speakers just going because i'm like i'm just doing stuff i'm moving around but like if you're listening to music or even watching a movie i'm kind of baffled that people don't use headphones more than they do I know because you miss miss a lot. You do. You really do. I think that like the, I would love to open, like maybe this is what I'll do. Maybe (laughs) this is my entrepreneurial side shining through. I want to like, it'd be so cool if you had a a chain of theaters Mm. where there's no surround sound and it's headphones, which to be fair, surround sound is like surround sound is cool because it does. There is more art to that. There is more art to it. And it also is, it accomplishes more or less the same thing as headphones. Right. Headphones are just like a quicker, cheaper way to get there. But it, it does, it, I mean, headphones very much, in my mind at least, help create some of that surround sound yeah. vibe. But, you know, like surround sound, I think, has such more of a merit for people who love sound yeah. versus, you know, a single speaker where you get all the panning shooting out of one thing Yeah. versus surround sound. You actually like have speakers that take in different inputs. There's there's few things that bother me more than when I go over to a friend's house to watch a movie or if I watch like right now our TV setup in this apartment is really kind of gnarly. It's just a TV. There's no sound bar or anything. 
Nice. It bothers me when people only rely on their TV speakers and they don't oh, have a soundbar. No soundbar. Because it, it just, it, it's all mixed together. There's probably some stereo coming yeah. through, but it's just like, it's I remember not the same. <laughs> when I still lived with Ether, um, we, uh, we did a watch night for How to Train Your Dragon, oh, which has the awesome. most magnificent soundtrack of like, it's my all time favorite soundtrack. It's so good. And we're watching it on mm. this like $200 uh, TCL or TLC, I can't remember, uh, TV. And we okay. hadn't gotten a soundbar yet. And it was just like, oh, it was a crushing. It's, it's butchering this magnificent soundtrack. Yeah. And then, like, it would muddy, like, the voices. And, like, if I was at a movie night there, I'd be riding the volume up and down because it was it just didn't do a good job. So there's few things that bother me more than poor sound, especially in when yeah. you're watching movies and stuff, which people don't think about that either. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. Like, some, people, some people can enjoy the movie with just their TV speakers to the extent that I enjoy it with surround sound. But True. I think it's like Absolutely. one of those things, once you know it and once you hear that difference, you're like, oh, shoot, I can't I can't live without this. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's really... It's first world problems. <laughs> it's true. I like to think... But it is awesome. I actually... It's really funny you say that because literally yesterday, um, I was in the car with uh, Graham and Michael and we were... I can't remember what we were talking about. Oh, no, we were just sitting at Sonic eating lunch. Oh, okay. And I just had this thought, and I'm just like, as Americans, as your average American, we are like the lowest on the food chain as far as humans go. And I, I told them, like, guys, we're the we're the weakest, like, strain of humans. Oh, yeah. We don't have any of those scrapper instincts. We right? don't. I'm just thinking, like, if, yeah. you, if, if you stripped all the tools and everything away and you put a group of Americans versus, like, a group of, like, African, you know, tribesmen, mm-hmm. like, people who live in the wilderness, it's just like... They would live off the land oh, and I'd be like, I need my shot of insulin or I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and it, it was my, just funny. My weak American self. We went off on a tangent and we basically had the same conversation that you and I had on the podcast when you came on before about like the apocalypse, the apocalypse, yeah. and like what we would do and stuff. It's just a fun conversation, but it, it is. I think back on that sometimes and I was like, that, that was just a blast I'm talking about that. I need to re-listen to that episode. It was fun. It was chill. Remember we talked about Iceland. I still have those rocks. The apocalypse. You do? Yeah. Cause that was right after you came back. The black trip. sand beach or yeah. the black rocks. That's yeah, awesome. Super cool. I had a, um, Sam Loving and I were talking about, um, going on a trip out West and then he's like, what about Iceland? And that was supposedly going to happen this this week, or not this week, this month. But, oh, okay. Uh, my passport, I sent through the washer and dryer, and I still haven't gotten it re-upped. No. So, and that was, don't don't feel too bad. That was three years ago. I sent oh, it through, okay. I went to Ireland, came back, sent it through the washer and dryer, like, immediately after I got back by oh, accident. That's rough. And I just, I can't bring myself to spend $200 on that again. But That's, that's fair. Passports are is. overpriced. Back to the stereo thing real quick, because yeah. have you ever gone and seen a live orchestra? Yes, I have a couple times. Because that blows my mind because they don't mic anything. It's pretty insane. They have everything set out and then the room that you're in, I'm sure plays a massive role in it too with the acoustics. Mm. But I'm just like, there's no mics. And they're 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 panning and they're doing, each instrument has different frequency and everything. So it's doing, I think, like the same thing. Well, there's some that do have mics. That's true. Some do. Some do. But generally... To my knowledge, like a good chunk of them don't, mm. unless there's like electric instruments, like you know Hans Zimmer. 
Yeah. He does soundtracks for Interstellar. Um, oh, yes. All that stuff. Dune. Dune. Um, the Dark Knight trilogy. Pretty much anything Christopher Nolan or just like a high caliber movie, Hans Zimmer's doing the music. Absolutely. I'm going to be... He's like... In my mind, he's the next John Williams. Like, John Williams did Star Wars, Jurassic yeah. Park, all that. Mm. Hans Zimmer is like, he's not that much younger, but he's he's going to carry on for an extra 20 years, probably where John, John yeah. Williams is going to die soon. He's got that, like, he's just got, like, it, it's dramatic, it's interesting. Like, it is his music, yeah. His, his music. His music makes me feel more intellectual when I listen to it. Yeah, which is, I don't I don't know even what I'm saying, but you, I understand. You, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. there's, there's a thing with his music. And he's very patient too. It's like he doesn't jump into like oh, if know. if you listen to some producers who do um, like orchestra music, but all in the computer. Yeah, they kind of like they'll jump to like the epic build really quick, which that has its place in some things like movie right. trailers. You need to get there fast. <clears throat> but Hans Zimmer just takes his time, and like the Dune soundtrack. Before they even released Dune, yeah, they they had a he put out I think it was just like from the Dune like notebook and it was basically the like sketchings of the songs he actually did mm. in the movie. So it's like there's longer versions and there's like there are 15 minutes and they just build super slow, but then yeah. they just like like that the House of Trades track with like the the bagpipes. Oh yeah. That one, like that one's awesome. It's great. He invented instruments for that movie, oh, dude. Have you watched like, like the video where he's talking about it? And he has insane. like he has the lady in there who does like the wow. Yeah, it's crazy. There's um, what's it? The, a great example of that. I'm assuming you've seen Interstellar. Um, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know the scene when they're on. I can't remember the name of the planet, but it's the one where the time moves like seven years on earth per the hour on mm -hmm. that planet and there's the the waves coming in they think they're mountains yeah. at first and they realize that soundtrack right there is amazing because it's got like this this little click going that's it kind of like simulates a, a clock like ticking and that that whole scene is like even beyond the waves and the the pressure it's, of getting to the, the shivers. music well and the whole setup of the scene is that they're going down and like you said like it's it's like a an hour there is like yeah two years or whatever Seven years. So they get back and like the dude on the ship is like 14 years older or whatever. Right. But like that whole scene, if you watch that movie and you're invested in it, like it is. It's intense. It's intense. It really yeah, is. It's gut-wrenching. Well, and that, yeah, that, that music just like it, it instills in your head like, oh shoot, time is ticking really fast. And then meanwhile, there's the immediate threat of the, the waves on the planet. Yep. Um, and that song, you know, the soundtrack, I think is like six or seven minutes long mm -hmm. on that single song. And it's just a slow build and like that, it builds so much intensity in the movie. It really does. Even I love it. The, you know, like the classic one, which it's making its way around like TikToks and stuff right now <laughs> yeah. is the, the one with the Joker, uh -huh. like from the dark Knight. you know, it's like, it's like this really steady, like, yeah, yep. my father was a drinker and it's like, it's <laughs> my father was a drinker. I love the TikToks. They're great. But um, that song is like, it's very ambient. It's very simple. It is. But at the same time, it just, it it's perfect for that scene. I think it's like a little dissonant or something. It's, it's freaky. Oh yeah. I think it's like, like the strings. Cause it's mostly strings. I think. Yeah. They're like kind of scratchy too. It very much matches the Joker's character. It does. It's really, really well done. I just, I love Hans Zimmer. He, he always gets it right. What else does he do? I'm gonna I'm gonna Inception. Oh yeah, Inception His, classic. Uh, time. One the the soundtrack, uh, the song in that one. Um, it's one simple idea. Mm. 
That is a great little bit of music. He also did uh he did the Top Gun Maverick which no way. I want to see he does some movies too where he doesn't they're not as groundbreaking mm. um as others. But I want to go back. I still have only seen that movie once. I want to watch it again. It's great. Um He did No Time to Die, James Bond, Dune. Um, I realized he did No Time to Die. Yeah. That one, that was a great movie. It really was. Honestly, like the, and visually, so the last scene, spoiler alert. I'm going to give you a second. Okay, spoiler. Uh, When Daniel Craig's James Bond like dies at the end, like that last scene, like that gets you. But visually, it's one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen. In a it movie. is, yeah. It's like this shot on the his face. The rockets coming in. The rockets coming in. Like the he's he's like on this green island in the ocean, and then like mm-hmm. the shot has his face just centered up in the middle, and his eyes are like glowing. Like yeah. it's it's such a good scene, and the whole movie is just good. It's so full circle with his this character development in that movie. Oh yeah, which I love. Oh, Hans Zimmer also did Dunkirk. Okay, which I wasn't. Oh oh. How have we not talked about this one yet? Hans, uh, <laughs> Man of Steel. Oh, that's a great one. Dude, the Man of Steel soundtrack. <clears throat> that's excellent. That was back when I was still like playing piano and I, I got, I got the, the sheet music for the, for the piano for that hmm. soundtrack. It's the, the one where Superman, the scene where Superman is learning to fly. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's just this, it's this great, it's a great song. And it's, it's just, so epic. And you and it carries with the scene perfectly. Like if you listen to the song and you know the scene, because like he jumps and he starts flying, and then like he falls and yeah. crashes into a mountain, and then the music like drops out, and then it's just like this soft build again, like the first time, but then it comes back even stronger, and then he like just man. full sense. He flies through the the stampede in Africa, dude. That's that scene is straight out of a comic book, actually. I can't remember which one it's from, but like. The whole scene of him, I think, crashing into the mountain and then flying through the stampede and everything. That was a pretty iconic bit of art from an old, old Superman comic. That makes sense because even watching it, I'm like, he must just be flying really fast because he was like in a glacier and now he's right. like in Africa. <laughs> I'm like, I yeah. don't know the geology here. But um, that was back. I actually think that that was that was the first like modern DC movie. Like modern, I mean, like of this last like generation of movies. Yeah, and I thought that one was pretty good. It was. It was. It was definitely a different interpretation of Superman that I feel like we had seen before. Yeah, some people didn't like it because he kills Zod, General Zod. Yeah, he kills Zod. Zod at the end, so some people didn't like that. But I liked I, it. I liked it a lot. It was kind of dark. It was good. He also did the Sherlock Holmes movies, hmm. which that is that honestly the Sherlock Holmes soundtracks. I don't know if you know them, if we're familiar with them. They're very, they're some of the most, um, it's it's one of the most unique movie soundtracks I've ever heard. Okay. It's a lot of strings and a lot of plucking. Hmm. And I think he uses like a harpsichord or something. Okay. That's very Sherlock-esque. Oh, yeah. I can see that. It fits the vibe really well. Hmm. Let me see. What did you think of Top Gun? Did you see it? The new one? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I don't understand. Okay, I I 100% agree. I agree. It was really good. I don't understand why it was so widely accepted. Because, like, everybody liked it. Like, the pe- my, my movie snob friends loved it. Yeah. My friends or people I know who, like, don't care too much about the art of movie, mm-hmm. and they just enjoy, like, the, the story, I guess. Like, they really liked it. Like, it was this 
really good crossover of like, I don't know, flavors, I guess. I think that there were a few things that movie had going for it. Um, I mean, first of all, you got the nostalgia factor for everybody that's a fan of the original Top Gun. Right. Right. So that's that's a huge thing. I think, uh, I mean, you got Tom Cruise. How can he not like it? Um, Tom Cruise is crazy, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, Tom, Tom Cruise is wild in real life, but I, I love Tom Cruise movies. He's a good actor. Um, but you know, that movie also, like from any standpoint, you judge it from critically, right? Like it's got a, it's got a great story. The cinematography is fantastic. The music is great. Yeah. The acting's good. Like there's just, there's not a lot you can really nitpick that movie for. The cast was fantastic. Like Tom Cruise, Miles Teller, uh, John Hamm. Mm. Love John Hamm. Was he Iceman? Um, who was John? Oh, no, wait, no, no, John was, Hamm. He was the Admiral. Where yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Iceman, that's uh, Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, there's there's nothing not to like in that movie. It was one of the few movies I've seen that had a really wholesome ending where good guys didn't die. And I was like, yeah. I liked that. And I still felt like there were stakes. Yeah. You know, like people survived and it was a really wholesome ending, but I liked it. You didn't feel cheated. Because didn't. Generally, like for ever since I started paying attention to like stories and movies, I'm like, for it to be a good story, somebody has to die. And it has like, to be one stakes. of the good guys. Yeah. But they did. They did a really nice job. And it's like they, they cut it close so many times. Like, cause, you know, halfway through the movie when he's training them, there's like a scene where back to back two pilots almost die. Yeah. And it's just like they barely saved them. So they, it, I think you're right. They, they played that line well where there's still stakes, but it was still satisfying too. Right. Well, they, they really explain the intensity of the situation in the movie. They're like when they're, when they're doing that, uh, you know, flying the thing straight up over the mountain, it's like, you're going to, yeah. you're going to have an elephant sitting on your chest is what it's going to feel like, yeah. like a ton of pressure in your face. Like, you're just like, man, this is, this is intense. And you know that like, all the actors learn to fly planes for the movie. It's that's crazy. That blows my mind. Like over the course of a couple of years, if not less time, like mm-hmm. these actors did something that people will spend like 10 to 15 years learning to do. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to me. And also that movie has breathed like new life into, I think just the aviation community in general. Cause I'm seeing all kinds of like videos on Instagram and stuff now of like, pilots like pulling g's and stuff in real life and like people are super into it now because top yeah. gun they just like that's something that was missing in the first top gun which they really didn't have the capabilities for was like right. the in cockpit shots yeah that was definitely a game changer right for this one have you seen the first top gun oh yeah yeah i, just, I watched it years before i saw the, the okay. new one i just watched it for the first time like a, a few months ago just before we went and saw the new one yep but it's very campy and like yeah. it's a great bro movie oh dude it's it's like it's when did it come out and it was the 80s right or was I th- it? yeah i think it was 80s it was it's like it's it's the primo 80s action movie yeah like it's it's really it's good. such a bro movie the music like it's, it's the, so good. the coloring of it the yeah it is everybody's like sweating constantly no matter what's happening people are just like drenched in sweat <laughs> you know i think okay there's a scene in the first Gun that really bothers me and it's when they're playing volleyball and it's not because everybody's like it's so gay i don't care it's because they're playing volleyball in the summer in the sand in jeans i know i'm like i hate wearing jeans in the summer they're they're like and plus in the sand like you're getting sweaty and sandy sweaty sandy jeans and then he like immediately like, throws his t-shirt on hops on his bike and goes to his girlfriend's house wild i'm just like this is disgusting like i'm just 
I'm picky about that stuff, but it is insane. Um, I think actually though, that that's why they didn't need anybody to die in the second top gun because goose died in the first one Mm. and they carried that story. Yeah. Into the second one. Right. It hit me like I teared up within the first like three minutes because like when he's flying like that stealth fighter at the beginning and he's just like talk to me goose and it's like the shot in the music I'm like holy crap this so is so good this is getting me I hope they don't I don't think they're gonna make a third one um and I I'd be surprised I hope they don't I think they they might write it because I mean that one was so grossing this year I mean it depends how greedy they get I don't know I'm definitely not dying for a third one but like. If a third one came out and they oh, wrote a story it. that was that good again, I'd be like, I, I, I'd be down to see like Tom Cruise and, and Miles Teller go on another ride. True. Miles Teller has come a long way. He has. Do you remember? Have you seen Divergent? Yes. That was the first movie I ever saw him in. And man, he's, he's yeah. grown a lot. Have you seen War Dogs? I haven't seen War Dogs. No. I'm trying to remember. It's uh, That's that, one with Jonah Hill, right? Jonah Hill, yeah. Lots of language and stuff like clearly R-rated. Use discretion. But... It is a, it's a good movie. Yeah, and it's it's really fun to watch Miles Teller in that one. That was, I think, one of his bigger drama breakthroughs. Mm. But I remember seeing him in a Whiplash with oh, J.K. Dude. Simmons, and I was just like, okay, this guy can act. Like this this movie, I, I always loved La La Land, um, and I saw Whiplash after seeing La La Land. Wait, was Miles was Miles Teller in La La Land? No, he wasn't. It was the it was the same director. Uh, oh, okay. Damien Chazelle, I think. Okay. Um. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I loved loved Whiplash. It was just a, an I excellent. S- movie. I still need to see Whiplash. Oh yeah, I've seen. seen I've seen the original short film that. Okay. Because it was it wasn't a book, was it? No, I, well, not that I know of, anyway. Because it was like a fifteen minute short film, right? Um, I think that went to a music festival, and who's the bald guy? J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. He was in the original short film. Okay. And then I think it did so well. They made the full film. They made the full movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had heard that before. And that was like, even just the, the short film part, which is basically just the scene, the not my tempo scene. Yeah. Is like, man, this is, it's it's wild. It's so good. It's a great movie. You would you would love it. I'm, I'm sure I would. He, uh, Miles Teller, uh, I lost my train of thought. He was, um, oh no, wait, wait, wait. I just saw La La Land for the first time like a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause okay. I, when it came out, I was very like, that's really interesting. So, like, is it, is Whiplash like a visually artistic, like very visually artistic? I would say so. Okay. Yeah. Is it, cause like La La Land is very, you know, La La Land has its own aesthetic of, you know, like purple and blue and just like vivid colors. I imagine though the the moods are pretty different from each other because La La Land is kind of like this. It's a musical, so it's got that kind of giddy kind of vibe to the whole thing, even though it it is serious. Yeah. It's very serious. The mood of, of Whiplash is definitely very different from La La Land. Like it's a pretty serious movie. It's, it's drama. Yeah. There's a lot of like dark color palettes and, yeah. you know, just interesting, like kind of like moody orange lighting and stuff. Oh, dude, so, I would love that. I love like visually like orange gets me, especially yeah. in movies. It's it's really cool. What, where does La La Land rank on your, uh, on your top movies? 
I don't know. Does it hit your top 10? Oh, I don't know. Top 10. There's a lot of great movies out there. Go top five. Um, okay. A La La Land. I assume La La Land is not in your top five. Probably not, but it, but it is great. You know, it is, it is good. Um, what is in your top five? Man, this is a great question. I need to think about this. more. Well, while you think about it, I will say I recently watched uh, Arrival again. Okay. Have you seen that? I have. How long has it been? It's been a few years. Yeah, because I saw it when it came out in theaters, which I think was like 2015. It was kind of depressing the first time I saw it. I was like, it is. It is depressing. And it does this weird like time thing. Like it feels like a Christopher Nolan movie, even it though does. it's not. Um, but I watched it again for the second time, like, I don't know, a month or two ago. And it was like, this actually is like a super it's it's in my top five possibly mm. in my top three because like first of all it's an alien movie and did you see nope the new jordan peele movie i did did they they kind of have a similar so they're they're not similar but here's here's why i bring it I don't up know. because nope was a letdown for for me and i think a bunch of people because it was branded yes. as an alien movie it was, but it wasn't aliens. Like it was, but it wasn't. It was a UFO that was that was a, li- and it was like, and the visual, like the reveal at the end, wasn't like it didn't feel like a reveal. No, it didn't go from something mystic to something super clear. It was just like this is all still just confusing. Yeah, um, I was not a fan of that one. Yeah, I saw it twice, and I liked it better the second time. Okay, um, because I didn't wasn't expecting this big alien reveal. Yeah, but it still is not that good to me. Um. It was very well done, but that's what I really like about Arrival. It's an alien movie, but mm-hmm. it's very realistic where it's like you're following humans with it as they learn more about the aliens. And even up till the end, we still don't know like anything about the aliens. Right. But we've seen them. We like have communicated with them. Yeah. But we still don't know anything. So there's that aspect, mm-hmm. but there's also this really incredible storyline going on with um, who's the, the chick in that movie? Amy Adams. Amy Adams. There's yeah. this amazing storyline with her where it, basically she she figures out how to see the future and she sees her future with Jeremy Renner who becomes her husband and then their daughter who then mm-hmm. dies and Jeremy Renner leaves because she knows she's going to die. It's like the whole time thing. But basically the end of the movie is like she accepts where she is and she chooses to enjoy the time she has with Jeremy Renner yeah. And her daughter, even though she knows how it's going to end. I'm just like, that's crazy. It's very, yeah. It's pretty moving. Oh, yeah. It's great, though. Very great. Um, Okay, I'm thinking top five here. I, I don't know that I put both of these in my top five, but I definitely put one of them. Um, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Mm. It's a great movie. And Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, the, okay, the new Star Trek movies get like... Oh no! This isn't a new Star Trek movie. Oh, this like is, the original. Yeah, this is this is like after Star Trek: The Motion Picture. So I I saw this like ten plus years ago, right? Okay. Like really young. I saw Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, and I remember really liking it. And they they re released it uh, in theaters this last week, and so I went and saw it last Sunday, and I was like, wow, this is just an incredible movie. Like the the story is just insanely good. 
Do you need to see the the first Star Trek movie, the the motion picture one, before you see? I've only seen one? the motion picture once, and I honestly don't remember a lot about it. So Rathacon um, was still. It's still very good. good. On its own. Yeah, it's. Okay. I'd say it can. I mean, you're definitely gonna appreciate it more if you you know see the first one. But like, you can go see Top Gun Maverick without having seen the original. Top right. Gun. Yeah. So. I think, you know, if you have like a brief understanding of the characters, you'll be fine. Which everybody kind of does. Yeah. Captain Kirk. We don't. Spock. Spock. McCoy. McCoy. Yeah. Bones. Right. What did you think of, uh, because we're on Star Trek and especially because I got them confused, we have to talk about like the new ones. Yeah. What did, what did you think of those? Because I actually think that those are pretty undersold. I think they're pretty good. Yeah. I didn't like the third one, Star Trek Beyond, at all. The third one was, it had more of a fun kind of energy, whereas like the first and second one had some balance of seriousness. Yeah. yeah the third one felt like Thor, Love and Thunder to me compared <laughs> to the to the other two. Dang it. I hope I haven't been clipping this whole time. Do I sound like I'm clipping? I'm not hearing it. Okay, good. I am. Um, let's talk about that then, because I did not like Thor, Love and Thunder really. That was like maybe my least favorite Marvel movie I think I've ever seen. I feel like what happened was and what the what the heck I usually love uh I know Taika Waititi Taika, I, I was what, like no what have you done Marvel let in Taika Waititi to do you know Ragnarok yeah and I think what he did is he kind of like he dialed himself back he put in enough of him to be like his flavor right and then he did so well in Ragnarok and it turned around the Thor franchise so much it really changed the mood oh it did the first two were like pretty heavy yeah in comparison i mean oh, they're yeah. still fun but like his were, character changes yeah a lot and i think like the mcu whoever's in charge like they liked so much what he did with it they're like okay go full send you have full creative and that was like that's very polarizing because yeah. taiko watiti in his raw form i think is a very very polarizing person like yeah at least his style sure. so i think Taika's great but i think he does good with a little direction maybe yeah it was just, um, it was not good. No, I did like, I wanted to like it and I thought Christian Bale was cool. Christian Bale did a really good job. He did, but like it, I wanted more of Christian Bale. Yeah. I wanted like that, that scene with him at the beginning. Yeah. Set a different tone for the movie oh, than what did. came the rest of it. I was like, That's oh, true. this is going to be like dark. It's going to be interesting. I was, I was down with it. And mm-hmm. then like, it was not that way. It's yeah. like, what? He was uh, watching. My favorite scene in the whole thing was when they're fighting on that like tiny moon oh the, the like black and white it was black and white it was like cartoony but realistic it yeah. was like the the way the light was moving around was super cool that was that was awesome um, i did like that scene a lot but like the last scene where he brings like his daughter back yeah i was bored right i'm like i feel like i should be really sad right now because jane is dying but nobody really cares about jane yeah um they they definitely lost their way with that one. Yeah. I did yeah. the one thing I did like a lot about that movie. Well, first of all, I like that one scene, but I did like the end where it's just Thor and his do- and you know, his daughter, quote yeah, unquote, yeah. which is actually, I don't know if you know this, the actress is his, is his actual biological daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. And like their chemistry in that actually like I've seen okay. So I've always wanted to have kids, but Mm -hmm. you know, as much as a single guy does and I'm like, I don't interact with kids a ton, but I had some interactions with like young kids, like under three, under four years old. Um, like over the past few years where I'm just like, 
this feels like a lot more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> but that scene, granted, it's from a movie, so it's romanticized. I get it. Sure. But like the chemistry between Thor and his daughter, it was like so genuine and so heartwarming. I'm like, gave you hope a little bit. I'm like, I can see this. Yeah. It's kind of like when you see a bunch of your friends date and break up and it's really gnarly. And then you're just kind of like, it doesn't feel like Not this sure is worth this. it. Yeah. But then like you see somebody's relationship and it's really good and you're like, this gives me hope. Like that's what that did. Yeah. So that makes it, did, it did serve some purpose for me. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I, I didn't care for the movie much. Hmm. I think that I think that's pretty valid. Give me one more top three movie. Um, you know I I don't want to get oh carried away with this one because I just have so many things to say about it. But Baby Driver has got to be up there. Mm, I really need to go back and watch that one again. I don't know that it's necessarily top three. I'd say it's definitely a top ten for me. What do you like so much about it? Oh, I just love everything about that. The soundtrack. Just the the vibe in that movie is great. The cast, um, the action in that. Like I'm, I actually usually don't love action movies. I like dramas and things yeah. like that. But I love that movie. It's like, just so excellent. I think one of the things about that movie that the action did so well is it wasn't the selling point of the movie. It was like it was just there. Yeah, it was like a byproduct of the story. Right. Which is the way I think action should be in movies. Yes. I think that's one of the reasons why that's that yes, action should be a byproduct of the story. Yeah. That's that's what makes Breaking Bad so good. If you've watched Breaking Bad. I've seen I started it and then I just it was good, but I wasn't vibing with it, I think. Something happened. It was years ago and okay. I just stopped watching it. I do want to watch it because I keep hearing really good things. So <laughs> So good. So I am gonna go watch it at some point. Yeah. I think that's also why um Quentin Tarantino movies because they're action heavy. Yeah. But it usually and, is with the story. Yeah, I think on. like Kill Bill is like it's a byproduct because her whole. Seen Kill Bill. You haven't seen Kill Bill? Uh, uh-uh, I've watched most of his other ones. Kill but. Bill Volume One, I think, is my favorite Tarantino movie. Really? Yeah, I've heard it's pretty wild. It is. It looks insane. Yeah, Volume Two, I don't remember much from, but the mm. first one, I'm excited to see because he has like one movie left, right? Because he's he's doing ten. If he sticks to the ten, yeah, he's got one left. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was was his ninth. Did we see that one together? I don't think we saw it together. Who did we? Who did I see it with? I saw it with Sam Loving and... Probably Ben. I think Ben and Sam. I think it was. Yeah. Sam struggled with the violence. <laughs> and then Ben had some beef with Margot Robbie, so he didn't like it. Um, but I was like... Oh, I was, there you go. I was, it was a very slow movie, but then at the end, it's just like... There's few movies where the violence bothers me where I have to like watch through the cracks in my fingers, but that was one of them. Yeah. I'm just like, whoa... Bothers might be the wrong word. It's just like... It shakes you up a little bit. Yeah. And it's so out of the blue in that one. Oh, yeah. It just hits you. I I, I really enjoy that movie. That's a great movie. I kind of want to go back and watch it again. Very um, slow burn, but... Yeah. But Baby that Driver... Solid Baby Driver is... The soundtrack's super good. Graham and I went and saw it together uh, in theaters when it came out. Mm. And it was raining outside. And we're in there. We're watching the movie. And it's been so long, I don't remember the plot twists and like the arc of the story much. Yeah. But you know, like when there's like 20 minutes left of the movie, he goes to that diner and then like the the bad guy, like the camera whips over to him at the bar and he turns around and you see who He's it just is. There. Yeah. At that moment of the movie, the camera whips over, mm-hmm. we see his face. It's like power, power, 
power goes out yeah. in the theater. You're just like, oh, shoot. And we were really confused because we're like, because actually the way that that movie builds, it could have ended there. Right. Like it, it wasn't a great ending, but it could have ended. And it's just like it's black screen. And we, Graham and I are just like, wait, what the heck? And then yeah. we realized a few minutes in, like the, the power actually went out. And then they we stuck around for like an extra 20, 30 minutes and they got it back up. And oh, the power went out. No, yeah, the power oh, in I the theater. I thought you meant like power out, like that scene is insane. No, 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 no. Oh my god! Like the physical power in no. the theater went out. And so we were just like, what, what is happening? Because like, is that it? But the credits didn't roll. And then, yeah, then they re- they started the that scene again, I okay. think. But that, it, that was the first time I saw it. And I did see it a couple of times, I think. Yeah, I, I usually watch that movie once a year once a year so i've i've seen it probably five six seven times now very nice i love that one it's very good um i'm trying to think of like another great movie that i'd, I'd want to put on my list i'm trying to think of what i've seen recently um there has been very little that i've seen lately that i'm like wow that was groundbreaking to me yeah i think dune was the last one that i saw I did really love Dune. And I'm very jazzed about the second one. First of all, the first one was just really good. It was. Can't wait to see where the story goes. Yeah. But Florence Pugh is going to be in the second one. Uh, I, and, I see. Yeah. And that's... I'm very excited. I'm sure it's going to be great. Have you seen the trailers for that? Um, I think it's Don't Worry, Darling. Or That looks terrifying. I think it looks really interesting. So I think it looks fascinating. I don't know if I'm going to see it because there's pretty clearly a lot of heat in it, especially <laughs> especially between Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. And I'm not sure how much there actually is in the movie, but it's like 25% of the trailer. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to see it, but it looks very interesting to me. It looks fascinating. Yeah. Did you see Midsummer? I did not. Oh, man. I heard that was pretty insane. Again, Florence Pugh in like full form, but yeah, that one was freaky. And it's like, it, there's like freaky moments. There wasn't a lot of jump scares. It was just unsettling, you mm-hmm. know? And some people, I've heard like Austin Loving, I think didn't really like it because it felt like a bunch of just random horror movie scenes just mixed together in a random order. But there's a there's definitely a story arc to it. Yeah. So it was interesting. Hmm. Well, I need to watch some good disturbing movie at some point I when, get, I get, when I i'm get, in the zone i could get you into those have you ever seen uh the invisible man came out a couple of years I, ago i haven't that was just randomly pretty pretty good really yeah like i, I saw the trailer and i was like ah, okay and i went and saw it and i was like that was kind of killer huh i i thoroughly enjoyed it I for might, what it was i might have to actually see it then because i remember i can't remember when it came out it was, um Early 2019, uh, 20. Okay. Early 2020, like just before COVID. Uh, yeah, I think because there weren't any good movies that came out really in 2020. So my guess is it kind of just mixed in. I didn't hear anything about it. So it was just like, yeah, whatever. We were in a real movie dry spell for a while. We up were. In, up until Dune, I think there was just not nothing good. The Batman came out this year. The Batman. The new one. I do want to see it again. That was. It was good. It was good. I want you to so interesting. Give me your thoughts. Um, I I love Batman. I love Batman comics. I love the yeah. Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah, um, favorite, my favorite trilogy of all time. It's so good. I uh, it's very different from Nolan's interpretation, but I I love it. Um, partly it was extremely artistic. I actually I heard that that and Dune have the same cinema cinematographer. Oh, yep. Um, that makes sense. Which I I could totally see. 
Um, but a lot of what I just loved about that movie was that they really leaned into um, Batman in the detective aspect. Mm-hmm. So there's, I mean, that was a detective movie. And I loved that vibe. Um, I wouldn't say I loved everything story-wise. I don't know that. I mean, it definitely made sense with the story and with that vibe of the movie. I don't know that I loved their interpretation of him as Bruce Wayne necessarily. Hmm. Like his, I, I love Christian Bale's version of Bruce Wayne. Oh, like yeah. You know, he's kind of got the... He's suave. He's like, he looks in real life like just a really rich person. Yeah. Which the Robert Pattinson is. Bruce Wayne was like, you need help. You yeah, know? he's moody, moody college age. Right. Yeah. Which, Which I, did make sense for like an early on Batman just getting started. But it was a, it was a little bit more comic booky. Mm-hmm. than the uh the Nolan ones just in that like it was still a very grounded movie mm-hmm. right like there weren't like superpowers and stuff but you know you have the penguin you've got the riddler like it's just it's a was little kingpin in it i don't think he was kingpin's uh oh he's he's marvel he's daredevil sorry yeah um, never mind in daredevil that's embarrassing um oh you're good um <laughs> scott carmine falcone oh yeah who is uh you know, he's kind of the, the mob boss in that movie. Yep. And he's... Falcone is in uh, the Nolan movies as well. Yes, he was. In the first yep. one. Yep. And then I think they uh, he gets arrested in the, the, the Dark Knight in the second one, too. He doesn't play as big a role, I don't think. Okay. But it was... Yeah, I want to go back and watch it again, and I want to watch it kind of on... I want to watch it by myself yeah. on like a rainy day at night. Yeah. Like, I think that's... You gotta be like for it. totally in the zone to watch it, but it is very, very enjoyable. The one thing I did think was really funny was Catwoman's mask. Oh man, <laughs> it was like this is hiding what? I mean, she's a yeah. very attractive actress, so I think they were just like trying to play to the fact that she was Catwoman most of the time and not like she had to have a mask on most of the time. Sure, but it was just kind of like, what is this hiding? This is <laughs> yeah, this is a strip that goes across her face, like over her nose, like it was right. Just funny. But yeah, I had forgotten about that. That is a, that is a good movie. It yeah. Is. We're coming up on, I don't know, at least an hour here. So unless you have anything riveting that <laughs> you want to share. Joe Rogan length for getting there. I used to shoot for like the, because Joe Rogan was my inspiration for this podcast. Uh-huh. I'm like, I want to just go full send, just talk about whatever. Um, But I've kind of learned recently. I'm like, honestly, I don't have the stamina, like the social stamina to go much beyond an hour. It does take a while. when When you're doing it recorded. You know, you've got to keep it real interesting. When you're not yeah. recording, you're like, ah, whatever. And it's easier if you have, like, the the most, the longest podcast I think I have on here is episode six, which was with Mark and Matt D'Amico. Okay. And it was three of us. It was later at night. Um, And we just, like, we just kind of went off. It was, like, it's a wild episode where we're just, like, it's, it's a wild, wild for a podcast episode. We just talked about all kinds sure. of crap. Our energy was flowing the whole time. So if you have, like, a lot of people and it's late at night, it's possible. But, like, yeah. right now, the vibe... I'm getting hungry. Yeah, me too. I'm ready for some food. Okay, we'll go eat some food. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back with you again with another bottle. Absolutely. Anytime. I'm going to get both you and Ben on here at some point. We'll make it happen. Play stuff. Awesome. Peace, hombres.